Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will smart food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. The Miami Dolphins are 8-3 and three and off to their best 11-game start in 21 years. Can you believe it? It is another Victory Monday. Welcome into Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh Show. We're going to get into all the greatness that is the 2022 Miami Dolphins, at least in the first half. But before I do that, I got to welcome in my co-host, the King of Dolphins Twitter, Joshua Houts. Josh! You wrote the rundown this week. You were in charge. You're guiding the show. And the one thing I got to ask you, did you pick up on how many different names you had to type from this performance? I could not believe how well-rounded this Dolphins team looked on Sunday, at least in the first half. Yeah, man, this was just a complete effort, you know, on both sides of the ball, at least right for at least the first half. I mean, that offense looked absolutely (laughs) stellar, but it is so nice to be able to come on here for the eighth time this season of Victory Monday. We're eight and three right now, pretty much control our own destiny. But as we'll get into, there are some things that are starting to unwind for this Dolphins team as they know they head into those final weeks of the season. But, dude, nothing felt better than beating the Houston Texans 30-15 to and regaining that top spot in the AFC because, Jake, I know you saw it, or the AFC East because I know you saw it, but as soon as Buffalo won that game on Thursday, Bills Mafia were in first place now. Well, that didn't last too long. But how have you been, man? It's been a little bit since we talked. How have you been? I'm good. I uh, I would think the holidays would kind of 
be a little more organized the older you get. I mean, especially for me, considering I, I don't have kids, but man, they, they still just kind of kick you in the butt. I was not prepared at, at all. Uh, what was the house household like? What would you guys do? Yeah, man, we went to my brother-in-law's. Thankfully, he cooked the food, but yeah, the holidays are absolutely, you know, a whirlwind of emotions and just, you know, going from one house to the next. So um, we do apologize. I don't think we ever did our preview podcast last week. We do apologize to our loyal listeners, but we are back now. And again, nothing feels better than talking Dolphins football, talking about a win on Monday. Yeah, man, eighth time this year we're celebrating a victory Monday, and this was a complete first-half performance. Josh, they scored 30 points in the first half. That is the most since October 25th, 2015, when they led the same Houston Texans 41-0. to And, in fact, I was at that game. So, man, it was just an all-around good performance. But, Josh, the clear sign here, let, let's start with Tua. Uh, this wasn't a perfect performance. I don't think there was a single player on offense who looked great on Sunday, and that's kind of what made this game a little more exciting. Yeah, maybe we just become accustomed to, you know, to a time about going out there and looking like a world beater, Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle putting up godly video game numbers. I mean, the offense was efficient, but like you mentioned, Jake, there were some things that were off. There were some throws that I'm sure Tua wants back, and let's be honest, there are definitely some balls that Jalen Waddle probably wishes he would have caught. Um we do have to mention that Tua Tagovailoa is now 14-2 and two in his last 16 starts, Jake, which, I mean, that is so impressive. We know quarterback wins, even to himself says that that's not a quarterback stat, but when you have won 14 of your last 16 games, that's impressive as all hell, 9-0 and in the last nine starts. And, Jake, this was just another almost 300-yard performance. I mean, 22-36, <laughs> 299 yards, a touchdown, 278 yards of that came in the first half. I mean, he just looked like he knew exactly where he was going with the football, but, again, there were some issues. There were a little bit of things that were off, but, dude, Tua Tungvaloa is having an MVP season, and, you know, before the season, we all said we want to see Tuscaloosa Tungvaloa show up this year, and, dude, I mean, could we have even project predicted a more perfect start, you know, besides the injuries and, you know, that whirlwind of emotions? This dude's playing lights out, man, and I know as a Tua stand, I don't even know if I expected this to happen, you know, this fast, this quickly, this season. Yeah, I mean, he's already set his franchise or uh, his career high in touchdown passes at 19. And overall, man, it was just a very impressive performance because there were some missed throws, there were some drops, but for every low, they weren't counted with mediocre plays, right? You weren't still nickel and diming trying to get first downs. I mean, Jalen Waddle went up and made some incredible catches that more than made up for the couple of drops he had. And man, let's just start the first touchdown of the game, Durham Smythe, a four yard touchdown reception. That does not sound exciting at all. That is about as milk toast as you can get it. But Josh Tua did everything in his power to make that the exact opposite. What would the opposite of milk toast be? I don't know. Do people Talk of milk wheat? I yeah. don't know. Let's milk go. toast. Do people still, I'm cause I used to dip my toast in chocolate milk when I was a kid. Is that what milk toast is? Like uh, thinking back to it, man, that was just soggy toast. That's crazy. And, yeah. <laughs> my mama, she got me into that. So dude, is, milk, that's how bad my breakfast. Okay. So milk toast. Okay. Uh, yeah, man. But I, I mean, you're right. It was a four yard touchdown pass to Durham Smythe, but it was the way to, you know, extended the play. It looked like Teron Armstead missed the guy that was looping around to a stepped up, you know, shook off a defender. Then he kind of rolled to the left and found Durham Smythe for a four yard touchdown reception. I believe it's his first touchdown of the season and his third of his career so um you know I had Patrick Mahomes-esque because that was the first thing you know everyone wanted to talk about but throughout this game throughout this season you continue to see two as elite traits you know the accuracy the anticipation and that pocket presence and again that was on full display here and after the Dolphins went up there Jake I mean they just started to run away with this one you are not wrong about that and two like he didn't seem lost. He didn't seem confused. His head was always pointing the right way. And, and that's kind of the refreshing thing about this team. There isn't that, that, let alone game by game panic. There isn't this sort of, you know, play by play panic we're seeing where everything kind of falls. 
except for the second half. But we haven't really seen a situation where everything kind of falls apart i thought it was a very impressive play from Tua. it seemed like uh there were three different receivers who could have caught that ball it's just a refreshing thing to see where we're used to you know a baby deer trying to run across ice but it's a very clean uh, operation that mike mcdaniel is putting together here josh i don't know if you mentioned this but Tua's last six touchdown passes have been thrown to six different wide receivers and you know you talk about Jalen waddle you talk about tyree kill but man when you have so many guys that simply just do their job, I mean, you're going to come away wins like this. You're going to win by double digits despite uh, not having your best performance. And I think that is probably my biggest takeaway from this game is you saw so many different players pulling this team up despite the different slips and, and the different struggles. So I think for me, man, it's just a very fun game. Very, very fun game. Yeah, and that's the best way to put it. I mean, again, we're eight and three now, but this was a fun game. Dolphins, again, were at one point were firing on all cylinders. I had to make sure that I brought this up. I mentioned two is 278 yards, one touchdown in the first half. That was the most ever in a first half of a game since Dan Marino in 1991, Jake. And Tua Tungvaluwa also broke another record um, with 174 pass attempts without an interception. That is the new team record broke. Brian Tannehill's record of 160 consecutive passes back in 2014, 2015. But um, again, man, impressive performance from Tua. When you needed a play from the defense, they stepped up. And, you know, when you have those wide receivers like Jalen Wild and Tyreek Hill, I mean, they didn't put up those, I guess, godly stats that, you know, we're kind of used to. But I thought it was kind of interesting. You know, they both led the team with 85 yards receiving, Jake. So, um, you know, we talked about the six touchdowns and Tua's a willingness to spread that ball around. I joke that he's almost like Oprah, you know, handing out those free gifts from underneath the chairs at the at the the Oprah show or whatever. I don't even know if that's a thing anymore, but um, Jalen Waddle, Tyree kill. Tell me your thoughts on them, Jake, because I mentioned Jalen Waddle had a few drops throughout this game, but you, you talked about that monster grab where he went up there like Megatron came down with it. I mean, when you make big plays like that, when you can make contested catches like that, I mean, we'll take those little drops here and there. Right. And it's not like you're doing the Jakeem grant and, and sorry to throw a, a stretch at Keem Grant, but when he threw the ball in the air, it was 50-50, hope he's going to catch it, 50-50, he might drop it. With Jalen Waddle, it's 80%, he's going to go up and try to make a play, 20%, you know, he might drop a couple. And that's kind of the balance you've had to live with. And I think what's caught most of the NFL off guard about this Dolphins offense uh, was exactly what we didn't see, right? Uh, Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle combined for 19 targets. They only caught 11 of those, right? Earlier in the season, we could not believe the usage these guys were getting where, you know, there'd be two, three incompletions between both of them. Uh, But you, again, man, it goes back to that point of, hey, it doesn't have to be that perfect to be successful. Tyree Kill caught six of nine targets. You mentioned it, the very weird number day, man, both having 85 yards. I mean, two was 299. There there are a couple of those that stick out. Uh, But Josh, Tyree Kill at 1,233 yards, uh, that currently leads the NFL by a single yard over Justin Jefferson, and he is 167 yards away from breaking Mark Clayton's franchise record at 1,389 yards. So, Josh, being the football expert, Twitter expert you are, can Tyreek Hill do it? Yeah, I mean, we basically are sitting here <laughs> joking, like, is he going to do it, But you know, maybe two catches next game. I mean, he might be able to break that record, but I thought what was so interesting, Jake, is, you know, for all the great seasons we had with Dan Marino, I mean, his 1,233 yards is fifth most receiving yards in a single season, you know, in Dolphins history. So, I mean, um, we're at what? We played 11 games now. You know, they added the extra game. He's absolutely going to crush this record. I know you were kind of kidding, but um, his 87 receptions also leads the NFL. And I think, that, again, he still has that Megatron record, right, in his set. So who knows what could happen over these last few games. Again, this wasn't that 
uh, godly fantasy game that, you know, many of us may have been expecting if you're a fantasy league, you know, down to the wire. But um, Tyree Kill has been that consistent target, and Tua Tungvaloa has been able to find him every chance he got. We talked about Jalen Waddle's five receptions for uh, five catches for 85 yards. He did have a few drops, like I mentioned, but he shattered Jarvis Landry's uh, record for most yards in the first two seasons with the Miami Dolphins. He now has 1,978 yards. Again, man, uh, you know, he's did he eclipse? He's closing in on 1,000 yards on this season. And again, at the beginning of the year, I joked I had a Photoshop with two on Dan Marino, Mark Clayton, Mark Duper. You know, I had two uh, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill. I mean, that is exactly what we're seeing, man. And uh, it just feels so good to have two superstar wide receivers that, you know, when you need those big plays, you're, you we even saw a little bit of yak out of Tyree Kill, right? If they can bring that on, man, oh my God, this offense could be deadly. But I'm spiraling out of control here. One of the best tandems we may ever see in our life. And I'm so happy they're with the Miami Dolphins. I don't want to put the card in front of the horse here, Josh, but you know what these two players are capable of. Do you think, I mean, 10 targets each? I mean, that's still a, what, very basic math here, very rough estimate. But these two are both getting a quarter percentage of the passes thrown their way. Uh, Josh, where do you see this usage going? Does it do you think it gets a little more fine-tuned? I mean, next week, the following week, San Fran, San Diego, Los Angeles, and then Buffalo. These are some tough, tough matchups. So while we've seen these okay performances from Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, is it fair for us to expect maybe that another level that um not six touchdowns like Baltimore every week, but that next level needed to be a consistent playoff team from the start to the end of the year. How do you feel these two can help carry the team in this upcoming stretch? Yeah, I mean, I feel confident in it, but again, you want to see what they do in these big moments. I mean, we know Tyreek Hill's been here before. I mean, we're sitting here, uh, you know, gushing over what the Dolphins did. Again, it was the Houston Texans, right? I mean, you mentioned yeah. that three-game stretch they had. This is as brutal as it gets. We'll talk about, you know, Without Teron Armstead, man, I definitely feel a little bit choke-filled and queasy uh, with this stretch coming up. But I absolutely think we're going to see Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill take that game to the next level. And you're going to need them to, again, to beat a 49ers team who's playing out of this world right now. The Chargers, I mean, we saw Herbert have a, a fourth-quarter comeback, you know, that all the Dolphin fans kind of poked fun at him that he can't do. And then the Buffalo Bills, I mean, that's probably going to be for the AFC East, if we're being completely honest. So I do think that we're going to see the best football ahead of Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, but um, we're also going to see some of the best defenses. So um, we'll see the way it works, right, man? I do think that, you know, you're starting to see Craycraft come about. Trey Sherfield made some clutch catches. I mean, you're starting to see these guys make plays and other guys, you know, come in and, and do things when they're asked to. So um, we'll see the way this ball starts to get spread around more, but I absolutely think Jalen Wild, Tyreek Hill, the Cheetah and the Penguin, they're going to be taking their game to the next level, and God, do we need it ever more now. The Dolphins scored 30 points at halftime. I mean, you could probably have a tally of how many times you mentioned it, but um, I nobody else noticed this, so I actually got all the retweets. It was pretty exciting. Yeah, I don't even think the Dolphins put this out. I don't even think that was one of their like final game notes. I mean, you were all over that, man. Let's hear it. The Dolphins scored 30 points at halftime. No other 1 p.m. game had a combined score of 30 points at halftime. I think the Jets game was at 27, but that just goes to show the different playmakers, the different guys you can get involved to move the ball down the field. And Josh, I saw some negativity negativity about this. Is there any concern to you that the fact, I mean, you just, it's a simple looking at the stats exercise, right? You see Houston is really bad at stopping the run. Miami struggled to run the football on Sunday. I think that's how a couple of their drives actually stalled out. What happened there? Because to me, man, I don't, I'm not super over worried about that. I kind of see a vision where the Texans know what they're bad at and they're going to try to stop that considering Miami's rushing attack averaged like 130 yards over the last three games. Is it 
basically that the Miami's rushing attack really struggled against Houston uh, because of the game plan? Or do you feel that, hey, maybe Houston kind of is looking in the mirror and realizes this is how we can cut corners and still try to make something happen successfully on defense? Yeah, I think it's more about Houston, you know, understanding their weaknesses and, you know, stepping up a little bit. But we also got to, I mentioned the Toronto Armstead injury. He went down in what was it, the second quarter, I believe. So, I mean, when you're there playing musical chairs, when you don't have your left tackle in the lineup, I mean, that run game is going to obviously, you know, not be the same. But I do think the way the Houston Texans countered that attack, you know, they took it completely out of the game. And it almost felt like, you know, the early season where the Dolphins couldn't get that run game going and we needed something to step up. And let's be honest, man, without Raheem Mostert, that has to be a huge blow, too. I mean, the way he can get to the outside, the way he can, you know, use that speed to get to the edge. I mean, not having a guy like Raheem Mostert. I mean, Miles Gaskin looked fine, but he was missing some holes. He was, you know, maybe looking a little bit indecisive because he hasn't played much this season. So I think if we get a Raheem Mostert back healthy, hopefully they can figure out this offensive line. Jeff Wilson was running hard again, but again, not any of those big plays that we wanted. So um, a little bit of both, Jake, but I do think losing Teron Armstead early in that game um, definitely impacted this thing. I want to bite into the injuries, but before that, I have just a couple notes here before we really shuffle away from the offense. Uh, Josh, were you a little queasy in that second half? I mean, punt, punt, fumble, punt, punt, end of game. I, w- I was so scared. There were four three-play drives there. Houston gets it within two scores. Uh, did you have any sort of panic there? Because I, I have to admit, I-, I was a little scared there because not- nothing was going right in the second half. And there are so many things to keep in mind with that. I mean, Brandon Cooks came out and said how unprepared this team was. I mean, I can't imagine what that locker room was like if there is, I mean, these are all professional foot player, football players. They had a fire absolutely lit under them in that second half. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely feeling queasy. I was the one sitting there. I think I even had a hashtag, like, get two of the F out of the game. And then they finally did. And I think they went right down to the Texans scored. And at that point, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> dude, everyone is going to be, you know, quote tweeting this and just dragging you through the mud when they come back. And then the next score came. And I'm like, dude, if I'm Mike McDaniel, I might even put two out there at that point. Right. I mean, so <laughs> I was definitely yeah. feeling queasy, but um, it all worked out in the end. And I do have to throw this quote out there from Mike McDaniel, because it does sound like he kind of realized, you know, with the way the offensive line was shuffling around with, you know, the score that they had they kind of kind of approached this thing like two was out there right I mean they were throwing the ball early you know they weren't really leaning on that run game that you mentioned and maybe it was because they were stacking the box and not allowing them to get going but um, McDaniel said I put some guys in an unfair advantage I was way too aggressive it was something I told the team at the end of the game it was something I learned from it wasn't fair to them when you do have an O-line changes you can't put them in a position they were put in so um, again he's self-reflecting he understands his mistakes but um, at some point you know we got to stop hearing it and start seeing it, right? I mean, there are play calling issues that we have with, you know, the way things are every week. I mean, at one point, I think I tweeted out that Dolphins drive took up 59 seconds of the clock. And I mean, when you have a huge lead, I mean, I mean, I'm not going to ever say I'm more, I know more than Mike McDaniel, but you run the damn ball, right? You keep that clock moving, at least try to get, you know, some time run off the clock. So um, I was definitely feeling queasy. You know, you ever written down here, punt, punt, fumble, punt, punt, end a game. I mean, uh, I just hope that doesn't, you know, that's not the Dolphins team that we see coming out of the gate, but they did take their foot off the gas, right? I mean, we can all admit that he did take the foot off the gas. And I think in this situation, you know, we see it again. He might wait a little bit longer, maybe that fourth quarter to do it next time. Yeah, and it's the combination of you take your foot off the gas and Houston punches you in the mouth once, right? This is a team of a bunch of fed up football players. I mean, we've seen the Dolphins teams, how how annoyed they get. Um, any team, really, if you're struggling that bad. Uh, overall, though, I, I was a little... I'm okay with McDaniel making these mistakes overall, man, you're, you're winning. I think that's important. I think there's something too about the way he calls plays where getting that first down, I think is so important. 
I think just getting that first yardage to kind of make the defense uh, reflect and adjust, I think that is so important to what he's trying to do. So, yes, I think he's going to be less aggressive moving forward. But I also think it was so hard to see how aggressive he was being considering there was three three and outs in that uh, second half where you can't really do anything with your playbook in a situation like that. Yeah, I was the first one to, you know, mention Skylar Thompson. I think he took a shot deep on a play action. I was like, I don't know why he threw that either. But, I mean, that was a pretty damn good ball. That ball is completed. I mean, we're all sitting here praising him uh, for taking that chance downfield. So, um, again, I don't think it's anything to be too concerned about. Again, this is a rookie head coach, right? I mean, he's going to make errors. It's something that's going to happen, I mean, as it will with a rookie player. So, um, let's see the way he game plans against uh, – what is it, Jake? You know, we always do the the Star Wars. Is it, the you know, the – the, the master teacher. and the Padawan? Yeah, yeah. Is that what it is? The ma- I'll make sure I cut that out. But yeah, this is the master no, and the Padawan that we're going to talk about uh, all week long because we just love to. But um, yeah, man, I, I am not too queasy about it. I think this Dolphins offense is going to bounce back, but it really comes down to those injuries on the offensive line, right, Jake? I mean, uh, that to me has me, my Joe Philbin queasy meter is at an all-time high because I was sitting there thinking about it. I was like, losing Tua would be the absolute most devastating thing to this team, but Teron Armstead has to be a close second, right? I mean, for what he means to that offensive line, I mean, Maybe I'm ignorant to think if Tyreek Hill were to miss, a, like, you know, go out of a game in the second half, Jalen Waddle could pick up, you know, right there. I just don't know how I feel with Brandon Shell, you know, Austin Jackson, Greg Little. I mean, how is this thing going to shake up? And we don't even know for certain if Austin Jackson's okay. He left the game in the fourth quarter with an ankle injury. So um, when you're heading into those three tough game stretches, like you mentioned, we know how dominant San Francisco's defensive line is. I mean, I am absolutely Joe Philbin, queasy meters through the freaking roof right now, man. What are your thoughts? So Tron Armstead suffered a pec injury late in the second quarter. I was kind of hopeful that it was just kind of a precautionary thing. It seems that isn't the case. He's expected to miss some time, but Josh, it seems like maybe a couple weeks is what they're expecting. I think it was uh, one of Tron Armstead's previous injuries was actually a pec injury. And I remember him uh, saying that uh, it wasn't really a pain management thing. It's more, it just messes with your function. You cannot function properly with a torn pec. Luckily, that's something the Dolphins aren't necessarily going to have to deal with man my biggest gripe of this whole thing is Brandon Shell needs to be playing right tackle I don't care if he's starting or if he's the backup Brandon Shell cannot be playing left tackle you should not take someone who's played thousands and thousands of career snaps at right tackle and then just throw him in in the middle of a game you see how like again the Houston Texans have football players on their team they see what's happening. They know exactly what we know. So they were able to take advantage of it and tee off on the Dolphins. So to me, man, I, I think if we're going to start talking about how this offensive line would look next week, I think first and foremost, you're putting Brandon Shell on that right side because on the left side, it's just such an unfair disadvantage to him and just a great advantage going against a team. If we're going to start talking about San Francisco, uh, LA, whoever it may be, I think you cannot have Brandon Shell on the left side. Yeah, going against Bosa Brothers, what, back-to-back weeks, right? I mean, um, I I guess my thing would be we keep hearing, you know, how much Mike McDaniel's talked and kind of praised Austin Jackson, you know, leading up to him finally being activated. I mean, if you have that much faith in him, if, you know, you've seen enough to believe that he can be a starter in this league, I think he almost has to be the left tackle, right, Jake? But you mentioned Brandon Shell. As soon as he slid over there, I mean, that tackle that Tua took, man, I don't know how he bridged out of that, but first glance, I mean, I was almost ready to throw up because it just looked like, you know, his – lower body just completely you know detached from the upper torso so um I, I don't know how the Dolphins are gonna do this obviously you're going against Joe Abosa you know whether it's Austin Jackson over there Greg Little Brandon Shell whoever it is at left tackle or you know probably even at right tackle you might need to bring in some help you know you might need to utilize a tight end um you know to to chip and you know stay back and there's one less guy in the receiving game so um 
Obviously, Mike McDaniel is going to have an answer to this, we hope. Obviously, he's probably going to be very hush-hush about who is the starting uh, lineup heading into Sunday. But this, to me, could not have come at a worse time. And I know a lot of fans are saying, you know, man up, nut up. It's it's Teron Armstead. We've seen worse offensive lines. Um, yes, we have. But um, I don't think we can uh, – those guys, I think they're just downplaying, you know, how important Teron Armstead is. And, you know, when you need these wins, these next three games, you need to win what? At least two of these? I mean, I, I don't know, man. This is the worst time it could happen. But I trust in this staff. I trust that the Miami Dolphins – We'll find a way to persevere. Jake, we talked enough about the offense. Let's head into a break. And when we come back, let's talk about that Dolphins defense that forced five sacks, two interceptions, and a couple forced fumbles on Sunday. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Josh, this is exactly what I meant by you're just seeing so many names fill up this stat sheet, really. Duke Riley, 13-yard sack in the first quarter. Bradley Chubb with a strip sack in the second quarter, his seventh sack of the year. Jalen Phillips sacked Kyle Allen. Alandon Roberts got a sack. I think he's at a career high. Jerome Baker, I think he forced a fumble, too, with a hit. Eric Rowe forced a fumble with a hit. Josh, I just said four di- what, five different plays. Five different plays that made a huge impact by five different players. That, to me, is the signs of this defense. This team, it just goes back to the same thing. I, I said it enough times, but this is a complete group that has so many players that can kind of lift others up when it's needed. It's a blast to watch. Yeah, I mean, most of the season we've been talking about bend, don't break. You know, the Dolphins have been getting given up big plays, but when it mattered most, you know, down now at the red zone. To a- yeah, yeah, but I mean, right now, man, I mean, that defense was exactly what we wanted to see, right? That was a complete effort. I mean, they looked like they were firing all cylinders, kind of looked like that defense that, you know, Tua's been accustomed to his first few years in the league, and he actually had a quote that said, that was awesome to see from our defense, the turnovers, the sacks, the big hits they were making defensively. For me, I'm used to seeing that. In my first two years, that's the type of defense we had, a defense that would get interceptions and score. It's always great to watch, and we talked about, you know, how the Dolphins overachieved, you know, for the better half of those last few years. It was because of those turnovers, but dude, just bringing it all together I mean when you brought Bradley Chubb and you know we heard okay the Dolphins are kind of shifting their focus you know um they're going to rely on that pass rush up front but dude he has been absolutely a menace we see Jalen Phillips chasing Kyle Allen down from behind he has four and a half sacks now which leads the team actually had a stat that says he has a half sack in four straight home games I mean that was a player that you know we all wanted to see elevate his game to his next level and you know obviously you bring in a Bradley Chubb that's going to let Jalen Phillips feast that's going to let some of these other guys feast but um it was a total effort and I think my favorite play was definitely one that I showed a video of earlier today. It was Eric Rowe, man. He saw Cater getting low on that tackle, and he came in and put a boom on him, X scoops it up, and it's a touchdown. And I guess at that point, that was the I guess the momentum shifter where I just sat back and said, I mean, again, it was the Texans. I don't think we were ever scared or worried, but at that point, you're just like, wow, man, this team is this team's freaking good. I, I'm cool crowning that the sit-back play, the one where you can finally put your feet up and be like, yep, I, I don't need it. It's like the opposite of that meme, things. right? Isn't there the meme where you like sit up in the gaming chair? That's the one where you like sit back. <laughs> yep, it's, it's 100% in the reverse. Um, I have this really fun quote here. Uh, when did the Texans know they were overmatched? Brandon Cooks was asked immediately. From the moment we came out, Cooks said, I'm talking from an offensive standpoint. The moment we stepped out there, 
that's truth. That's facts. Josh, I don't think this is a unit that's going, obviously not going to expect five turnovers, but this was such a great coming out of the bye confidence boost for a team that, hey, the defense has looked great at times, but there have been, you know, the Lions game, Chicago, where you can put up points on them with a couple big plays. Uh, but man, 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 what a absolute performance. Damian Pierce finished with five carries and eight yards and Kyle Allen, Poor, poor, poor Kyle Allen. This looks like a group. Lovey Smith, uh, coach of the Bears, all week. He would refuse to name a starting quarterback. I think it came out on Wednesday that Kyle Allen was the starter. To me, man, if you're not naming the quarterback and it's being leaked, that means I don't think he's necessarily getting all the first-team slaps. And that you have a Dolphins defense that's gelling. You have a quarterback that's just starting to play with the first team, man. Lovey Smith put his group in a really tough situation here, and it's obvious it didn't work out. Yeah, it didn't work out at all. And I, I didn't, I missed that quote. That's amazing to know that, you know, Brandon Cooks and that Texans offense came out there and they're just lined up and they're probably just looking across from like, wow, what what are we supposed to do? I mean, that, that yep. feels so awesome because again, you know, all season long, it's kind of been one unit lifting the other one up. This just felt like at least again in the first half, it all came together. And I mean, if the defense is playing that well, Jake, I mean, again, it's the Texans. If the offense is playing that well, I mean, two or three for nearly 300 yards in the first half. I mean, how is, how, how do you stop that? I, I just don't have any answers for that. We got to throw out the interceptions. Uh, Andrew Van Ginkle had an interception and so did Ver Verone McKinley, the third. I hope I said that right. I tried to listen to the trans, uh, the proper pronunciation the other day, but uh, rookie first inter career interception. We know he's a Oregon duck, Javon Hollins, you know, BFF. He had that game ceiling interception. So, Again, full effort, full team. Everyone stepped up when they needed it, and I'm just anxious and excited to see the way they build off of this, again, against the San Francisco 49ers team that's as hungry as ever. To kind of put a bow on this a little bit, Josh, can, let, let's talk a minute. I want to talk about Eric Rowe. I mean, you think about it. He was inactive a couple of weeks ago. He even tweeted. I don't think he was mad, but he was just, like, surprised about it. Uh, what is Eric Rowe meant for this defense? Obviously, you lose Brandon Jones a few weeks ago. Eric Rowe's probably one of the – oldest players on this team he's done a little bit of everything for this defense and at the end of the day he's someone you can't ignore because he's going to have these big time hits these big time plays that you're used to seeing it just some random guy in the Patriots would run out of nowhere and have a big hit and then all of a sudden there's four of them running down the field with a fumble I mean you replace that Patriot Pat with the Dolphins logo man it, it has that same feel yeah, it absolutely does. And he's kind of met everything, right? You needed someone to step up. I mean, we see McKinley, he's also stepped up. But I mean, what you see from Eric Rowe, we were all questioning, why is he out there? I forget who they were playing that week, you know, when he was inactive, but it was a team that had a very good tight end. And we thought, okay, that's, you know, what Eric Rowe excels at. But um, he's been playing awesome. I still, Charlie in the room, think that maybe the reason he was inactive was because the Dolphins, you know, may have been listening to trade rumors. You know, that's just something that I've continued to think in my head. But at the end of the day, man, he has really stepped up and nothing meant more than that huge hit because uh dude again i was the one where we just sat back and all just kind of felt pretty damn good about where we're at so love the way eric rose playing he continues to be one of my uh i i do really like eric Rowe. i don't know if it's because of all the cut-ups i, I did agree. him versus tight ends but um dude he's playing awesome and we're gonna need that we need that secondary to step up because as we see that pass rush is doing their job it's pretty fun too. You lose a safety and the fact i mean they're still playing with three safeties on the field they're still playing their defense and um they have the guys to do it, it it's obvious they have the guys in the secondary, no matter where they need them. I mean, you got Darth Cater stepping up. I mean, Veron McKinley first interception of his career. So it's been really, really fun to watch. This Morstead, team. Morstead did punt too, right? Didn't he have a punt at least? <laughs> at least, uh, yeah. actually at six. What am I talking about? <laughs> I want to say they weren't great punts either. Can, 
can I, can I, can we say that? You can, you I can say whatever you want, but I, I don't know why I thought I only saw him a few times and I just looked at it. It says six for 296. And that would make completely, uh, you know, complete sense based off of, you know, that way that Dolphins sputtered. But uh, I had to make sure I brought up Th- Thomas Morstead, uh, you know, punting the football. And then also Jason Sanders. I don't have his numbers down. Do you know how six many? Six for six, three for three on field goals. And then he made field goals of 46 Excuse me, 45, 35, and 23 yards. Josh, what a refreshing performance after Beautiful. the struggle Sanders have been having. Yeah, that's what you wanted. I mean, I think you reflected earlier in the week, saying, you know, he had to play better. Um, again, I don't know that any of those were, you know, crazy difficult. Well, I guess they were, right? I mean, you, you made just a 54-yarder in there, I think. I, I'm sorry, I blocked. 45. <laughs> sound, uh, we'll pretend it was a 54. But yeah, man, I mean, Jason <laughs> Sanders, if he can start getting back to his form, I mean, and there were times when you think the Dolphins may have gone for it because they just didn't trust their kicker, but um, build his confidence up because, again, these games, you know, the ones that are coming up, those might be those games where you need to rely on a Jason Sanders, you know, to make that field goal, or even a Thomas Morstead, you know, cough and kick one and pin the team, pin the team deep and flip the field. But, um, dude, overall, great performance, and I'm just so thankful that we get to come on here. After a bye week, the Dolphins took care of business, and now we can just look ahead 8-3 and three and feel pretty damn good about where we're at. Definitely the theme of this week is confidence, and I cannot wait, Josh, to hear what Merrick Brave has to say about it. Be sure to join us on Wednesday. He will be here with us as we kind of close the book on the Texans and begin to really study up on the San Francisco 49ers ahead of that matchup. I have to say, Merrick also does his Twitter spaces on Monday night, um, and he's usually joined by a couple other members on the Finsider Twitter feed, so be sure to check that out. I'll try to retweet it. But that is all the time we have. I see that ticker going. Thank you all so much for joining us. I hope everyone out there had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Josh, I'm so grateful for you, and above all else, fins up. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins.